Hello, everyone. My name's Hank Suttala. And I'm Casey McBride. With special and guest I'm Ryan B. Oh, you see, he was already in tune. We didn't even rehearse it. All right. <laughs> but we're here with another fun episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. So those oh, of you, that's so cool, isn't it? You, oh, you have watched one of our episodes. <laughs> so, um, for those of you who are confused, saying like, "I know Ryan, but who are these other two crazy guys?" Right. Uh, so Ryan, Ryan streams to his group every morning at nine o'clock, and we were going to have Ryan on as a guest, and we figured, why not stream to his group? So, if you're wondering who we are, we actually run another show uh, called Stir Crazy Shamans, and Ryan is our special guest today. And we're his special guest in a way because it's also his group <laughs> uh, talking about empaths because he is the empath expert. <laughs> and, well, and, yeah, I don't know about expert, but I know one or two empaths. Well, he's the, <laughs> yeah, he's the empath empowerer. And just a, a fun aside story, like um, for those of you who know how Casey and I met like years ago and then didn't do anything together until just recently, Ryan was much the same way. We met to get, uh, he joined, was the first person ever to join my Conversations with God discussion group. Joined the group, never came to a meeting for like two years. <laughs> and then until I moved to the West Side and then he started coming to the meetings and uh, just over the course of all those wonderful discussions became very uh, close and dear friends. And now we have the center together in North Olmsted, Ohio and do all kinds of collaborations. And now we're here virtually um, uh, sharing with you. And uh, one Is that other 12 thing, years now? I think so. I think I, it's 12 yeah. years. Yeah, when you wow. were still doing real estate. And now if you are commenting on StreamYard, I'm yep. gonna just put this one up, you'll see it just says Facebook user, right? So if you click the description, and at the top of the video at the very bottom says we're going live with stream here click here so we can see your comments because we don't know who you are mystery facebook user so if you like us to be able to acknowledge your uh, comments please click the link so uh, to enable it and if you're seeing it on any other platform please follow the link to youtube we will only see the comments on youtube we won't see it on any of the other pages so it's just a facebook group which there is a link to you can join the group if you'd like uh, or go to youtube so we can see your comments and help um, us interact with you and see where this conversation can take us so um, let me ask you, Ryan, obviously now you've uh, got a lot of experience with helping people to sort of reframe and restructure their ideas around um, how they perceive their empathic uh, abilities or awarenesses. Um, I'm sure uh, be being an empath, uh, like most of us who were, there was a long time where you didn't know what was going on, I would assume so. Um, so what most was of my life? Yeah. <laughs> so what was sort of the uh, uh, like pivotal moment for you where you did start to recognize that you were actually um, sensing the energy and emotions of other people? And uh, what led you to um, discover this whole modality of empowering people uh, with their empathic abilities? Well, like like most of us, it was kind of a long, convoluted, twisted <laughs> path um, back around 1997. Um, I was at a point where I was leaving my old way of being and entering this path. And, and you've got to understand, my entire previous life, um, and I mean that in more ways than one, but my entire previous life, um, I was an engineer. I was an electronics design engineer. I had a minor in applied physics. So I worked in research and development with consumer electronics. So my world was based on science. And if you can't measure it, and you can't repeat it, and you can't predict it, you're imagining it. It's just not real. <laughs> so there was no spiritual side 
to my life because you guys are just imagining things and why would I waste my time on that? <laughs> so I came from a, a very structured way of looking at the world, which is great if you want to feel in control all the time, um, to where I am now. And I had hit a point where it was very low. Um, I had lost my career, family, you know the story, <laughs> everything being stripped away and ran into a person in West Park, Cleveland in a little shop called um, Enchantments. It used to be there. Now it's a steak and shake. Uh, <laughs> and they had psychic fare, $20, find out what your future holds. Well, this was a Sunday morning at like 10 a.m. And I was headed to a bar because my last 20 bucks, <laughs> it was going to buy me a drink. Um, and instead, I got a reading from uh, a shamanic reader whose focus was spirit guides, animal, animal guides. Um, and I got this reading tongue in cheek because in my head it was like, well, I'm either going to spend it on scotch or this, <laughs> you know, what, what could it hurt? Um, and this woman used a tarot deck in her own intuition and she nailed my ass to the wall. I'm sorry, can we swear on this? Absolutely. <laughs> it's too late now. She nailed me to the wall, focusing on all of the things in my life that I was considering broken at that time. Um, I went back a week later because I needed to know how she could cold read me so good. Because it still in my head was a trick. <laughs> and it was fascinating that with asking me no questions at all, she figured all that out. So I wanted to know how she did that. And it one thing led to another. And I, I started working with my animal guides, my animal totems. Um, and that led me down several different shamanic paths to learn about different shamanic practices. Um, and I discovered Celtic shamanism, which led me to the Norse runes. And that blew my world open mm -hmm. because the, the precision, the repeatability, the predictability, <laughs> and the ability to measure outcomes, <laughs> scientific method, made it impossible for me to say this isn't real. <laughs> so the logic trapped me in this new world um, of total illogic based on my old way of looking at things, but it was measurable. It was repeatable and I could, I could predict the outcome. So it was real. I just didn't understand it. And, and everything since then has opened up about six years ago, I started doing, we'll call it shamanic work, um, working with a guide that allowed me to get a different perspective on the world. And while working with these shamanic practices, the journey work that I was doing, um, I encountered other beings that I was working with, my teammates, we would call them in access now. Um, and through information that came through that, I started developing what I now call empathic empowerment training. So this was information that was channeled, that was simply received as a knowing, and then experienced as I went out into the world and started to play with these things. And as that occurred, my empathic abilities opened up. And it's a long story. And I've been an empath, an open empath since I was born. And it, it caused an incredible amount of strife in my life because I was taught how to be empathic. Well, actually, I was taught how to be a human by people <laughs> who were not empathic. So nobody understands what you're experiencing, what you're sensing in the world. 
in fact, they'll deny that it's even possible. Um, I, my awarenesses and the things that I knew, I knew were happening as a child got me beat and punished by my father because I was obviously just a liar making things up. He could not conceive of how I could come up with such crazy shit. I must have been, you know, damaged in some way. And his fix to damage was through violence. So, you know, you'll be too afraid to say that crap out in public. So it, it led me to engineering, which gave me a control over my world, a rightness that I always knew. And then I could ignore what I thought was happening, because that's fantasy, and just use fact. This path has opened up how limited the facts are that we think control the world, and how much bigger our universe really is than what science currently understands. And it's catching up, and it's making huge strides in understanding consciousness, which is what we be. And now, using the information I got through the journey experiences, through the shamanic practices that I used, led me to other practices, <laughs> which opened things up even more. And finding access consciousness and the, the concepts in access run through everything, every other modality I've ever found, but the language and the conciseness and the tools that they created gave me an ability to help people and facilitate people's own expansion that I hadn't found before. So it has replaced nothing, but it has become an addition to everything that I do. Mm. And now the understanding of what we truly be as empaths is what I teach people in empathic empowerment training, because everything we were taught we were either taught to deny who we were by people who weren't who we are, so they couldn't possibly conceive of the world the way we do. They just can't perceive it that way. And it's not an evilness or a badness on their part most of the time. Most people teaching us actually mean well. They can only teach us what they know. And since they're not empathic and they don't have this level of sensitivity to the energies in the world, they can't know what we sense as real. So all they can ever do is teach you to be smaller than you really are with the best of intentions. And that doesn't eliminate our discomfort and the intensity of the world around us because we're taught to judge that world by people who can't see most of it. <laughs> so it's like trying to put a size eight foot in a size seven shoe. You know, you can do it. It's not gonna feel good very long. It's gonna get really uncomfortable if you try to live that way. Right. Actually, you know, so. Oh, sorry. The question I, I was about to ask you kind of mirrors what Susan was asking you too. She said, I thought you became an empath, but you were born that way. And I know in the, in the classes that I've sat in with you, you have this way of explaining it on a bell curve and maybe that can um, can offer a little bit of insight or whatever, however you would like to speak to that about if you're born as an empath or do you become an empath or is it a little bit of both? What would be your thoughts be on this? The, the truth is I recognize it as I've received it is that technically most every single human being ever born has an empathic sensitivity, has an ability to sense the world because we've been taught that this is a psychic gift. Clairsentience or clairempathy like clairvoyance and all of the other psychic gifts. And that's a misidentification of what's happening. Every human born with, ex with only the few exceptions that we would consider abnormal for some reason has the ability to sense smell and taste and sight and touch and hearing. Those physical senses we call the normal senses. 
but our body has an ability to sense other energies, just like all of those other senses are doing. And every human has that ability, but it's not as tactile. It's not as immediate and in our face. And it senses the higher energies around us. That it can be though. In. Yeah, <laughs> it can be. Well, and that's when we start to identify it based on other things. Hmm. Your empathic ability is a physical function of your body, not a psychic gift. And that's where the, the miscommunication and then the miseducation comes in. So to answer Susan's question directly, yes, you're born as an empath. You are not necessarily given the awareness of what it is. If you were raised by people who could not see, who were blind their entire life, you would have a very difficult time even recognizing your ability to see because there'd be no reference to it in your world. Um, to give you an example of how that variation can affect things, most people, if you tell them, hey, I want you to imagine this, picture this in your head. Well, they actually do, and you get a picture in your head. <laughs> I don't. Well, I have no ability to visualize. So when people used to talk about this all the time, I just figured it was a figure of speech. They're trying to describe something to you so you can get the concept of it. It never occurred to me that people actually had pictures in their head. How crazy is that? And it wasn't until just recently I found out that's an actual thing, that some of us don't have that capacity. Now, I don't consider that a lowering of capacities because it also stops me from getting distracted and caught up in what other people can with the visualizations they get. And it's also not a limitation for me because when you visualize things, you often will no longer receive them unless they match that visualization. And to me, I don't have that. I just never even knew it was a thing. So your empathic abilities are something you're born with. The level of awareness you have of that energy being received by your body, that's what makes us an empath when we use it as a label or a name to set us apart from others. So the empath is a person who has a greater awareness of the energetic sense that their body uses to, to bring the information of the whole world to them. We have an energy field around our body. This cup has an energy field around it. Everything does. We're conscious beings at a higher level of consciousness than others. Our energetic field responds to our desires, responds to what we choose to put our attention on, and it expands and contracts based on what we're looking at. So the empath's own energy field is expanding and contracting continuously based on what you're giving your attention to. And we're never taught about that. In fact, we're taught, we end right here. Anything outside the skin, that's nah, not you. <laughs> and, and the reality is we're infinite beings. There's nothing that isn't us. It's just this point of view that we're having an individual experience and the empath has a much broader point of view and brings in sensory information that cannot be described unless we take it there based on the five senses. And all of your senses only ever give you an emotion when what you've become aware of, you judge. And the empath is wonderful at judging. In fact, every human being on the planet is. That's how we're taught to be. That's good. That's bad. That's right. That's wrong. That's yummy. I hate that. Those are all judgments. And based on those decisions about an energy, we have an experience of that energy, which we call feeling and emotion. Empaths have so much information that they're bringing in. And they're taught to judge everything by people who have a tiny little view. Hank was talking about a bell curve, a diagram that I use. A bell curve is just 
any analysis that uses this shape, like a bell, to predict where something lies in relation to other things. So if you're measuring any trait, like blue eyes, a certain number amount of the population will have blue eyes, and we'll call that the average. And there's variation to greater and lesser on either side of that. Most of the human beings on the planet, they're right in the center of that bell curve. Most people have an average amount of sensitivity. I refer to them as AMFM radius. Mm -hmm. They can receive that much of the bandwidth and nothing else. Some people have way less. And because of their disconnection from the world around them, they respond differently in the world than the average people do. And when you have less awareness, even less than average awareness of your connection to others, you really, truly feel alone in the world. So we get this decrease of awareness of our body sensitivity all the way down to zero. So we would call people like that, because we've labeled them because they're different, narcissists and sociopaths and psychopaths and politicians down here at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and the people that are on the side of more sensitivity, well, we've labeled most of them too. We call them ADD and we call them manic depressive and we call them psychotic and we give them names that describe how different they are from the average. And empaths were somewhere on this side above the average and we fall all over the place. So I don't quantify a person's empathic ability. I simply wish to empower people to understand that what they have, what they're feeling is a function of their body. Psychic gifts are different, very real, but they're experienced differently. And what you experience through your body is a physical function. I, I went a long way into that explanation. So to answer <laughs> Susan, yes, you're born an empath, but you may <laughs> not come to the knowledge of being an empath until much further on in your life because Who's going to teach you that if they don't believe it's real? And if someone is in that middle area, like psychic gifts, you can go to development circles and do other things to kind of um, step into that gift a bit more. Does it work the same way with empaths? Do you have the ability to tune in more to the body and pick up, you know, go from AM, FM to broadband and ultraviolet and all that? Absolutely. And, and I know that in our spiritual communities, we like to think that no one has any limitation. And in the broadest sense, the highest sense of that, I agree. However, our experience in this world is within the physical body that most of us believe is who we be. So anyone born with like working arms and hands, you could teach them how to throw a ball, right? Almost anybody could learn that function. But very few people are going to be able to, no matter how hard they work, very few people are gonna be able to throw that ball at 108 miles an hour hitting a 10 inch square of space 60 feet away. Those guys, they make millions of dollars a year. <laughs> now, anyone could learn to throw that ball. Not everyone's going to get that level of potency with that ball. You'll never know if you anyone. Don't... Yeah. And no matter how hard they work, some people just aren't going to. Their bodies aren't built that way. So as an empath, if you're in that middle section and you become aware that, well, hey, there's more possible then yes, just like training your body to do any other function, there are exercises and processes and techniques we can use to become more aware. And there is no one right way to do that. Shamanic practice is an ancient way 
of tuning into the realities that are actually in the world instead of the realities we think we've defined, the sciences. <laughs> and that expands your awareness. Not everybody's going to become a Merlin, no matter how hard they try. Not everybody could become any of the different uh, practices, the pinnacle of those practices, no matter how hard they tried. And some people started there at the very top of that level of potency. And most worked hard to get somewhere in between those, those two points. So any empath, anybody can learn to become more empathic. Some people are what they are though, and they came to be that way. And it's not a limitation to them. The people we deem as narcissists, they're not broken. Some of them Most are of them, potent creators, in fact. Very potent creators. In fact, we know a few, <laughs> all of us on the planet right now. <laughs> and, they, and they can't even conceive of not receiving what they choose. But the way that they relate to others is so disconnected that our experience of them is rarely positive. Their experience of us is like us to an ant in their minds. They're so superior because they know the truth. So you don't fix them. <laughs> you don't fix a wolf for eating an antelope either. It's not a brokenness of the wolf. We may not like it. And you don't have to have the wolf in your living room. <laughs> but you don't judge the wolf for eating the antelope, you know? Um, and it's the same with, with people. We don't have to choose to be with them. But we don't need to judge them as broken. They're not. They're also infinite beings. And they chose this existence. And what makes our level of infinite being so much wiser than theirs? <laughs> the empath has an ability to sense their world to a degree and a level of intensity that others don't. It does not make us right. And it does not make us superior. Very few people I know of empaths would ever think of themselves as superior. <laughs> Most of them want to get rid of that shit. <laughs> Speaking of, that brings up a little story of a reading I did the other day. Um, uh, it was communicating with this person's guide, one of their guides. And um, they were asking, you know, what they could do. I think they wanted to know, like, career direction or something. And this guide um, started to talk and said, um, well, they're highly empathic but they uh, see that as sort of um, more of like a curse right now. But mm -hmm. when they get to the point where they're able to shift their perception on that and realize that it's uh, this incredible gift or ability that they have that they could further develop, then they can use that to really, really start to reach people that they would never be able to reach before and uh, create healing just through talking to people. And um, so she was kind of like took a step back and she goes, huh, I never even considered that was a possibility. And she said that she always just, you know, she's not, she, her whole experience of being an empath is like, she doesn't like being in crowds because it fucking sucks for her. And so she just shuts down. And like, that's her whole extent of like her, her in a relationship with her empathic abilities. And uh, so that was like her first introduction to like, wow, this could really be a beneficial thing for yourself and others. So um, what would you say to people that, um, you know, maybe have that view that, uh, you know, the empathic ability is more of like a curse than a, um, than a potential uh, blessing or something they could use to really help people. Well, when people, people describe their, their experiences based on the experiences they've always had. I mean, we're taught that one plus one equals two. Now we know that one plus one could be something different, mm -hmm. but for the average people, that's the way they view the world. So when people have used the way they've been taught, 
to judge their world and to describe their world and define their world. Um, and they have come to the conclusion that the way they be in the world is painful to them because that's what they've been taught all this intensity is. It's not a help to them to tell them they're wrong because based on what people have been taught, as soon as they're told they're wrong, if they align and agree with that, they are now less than, they are broken. So they're almost always gonna push back against that. And when they become in resistance and reaction to, to our judgment of them as wrong, they give that wrongness even more energy in their own head. They become even more wrong and they have to prove they're not. And in ours, they get locked in as well. So I don't tell people that they're doing it wrong or that it's a wrongness that they feel that way because their experience has been pain, has been discomfort. Their solution was either to hide from it, which doesn't actually work for the empath because our ability to sense energy is universal. We can sense it anywhere, anywhere in the universe simply by our attention on it. So hiding for the empath has a very limited effectiveness. And while it can reduce the intensity of the energy immediately around us, as our attention starts to drift in our seclusion, as we try to separate from our bodies, we really just become more vulnerable to the energies that are larger and further away. Some practices that are aware of the sensitivity will try to teach us to mitigate that intensity of energy using tools that are intended for psychic gifts. And the shielding that we're taught very rarely works for empathic sensitivity. It can be an incredibly effective energetic tool when you're dealing with psychic sensitivities. But most empaths that I've worked with have had a very mixed experience trying to use these techniques. And some, it just doesn't work for at all because their awareness is far less psychic than it is physical. And using an energetic shield is incredibly contrary to two very basic universal laws. What you resist persists. <laughs> and all of your energy flows where your attention goes because energy follows intent, right? So as you're building your shield, you're focused on absolutely what you do not wish to experience. Mm -hmm. And you're actually focusing energy at that and trying to push it away, which is giving all of that energy to it and making it stronger. So for just an empathic ability, I teach other tools and techniques. And they have to do with releasing our judgment about what it is. Because every time you judge a thing, you have a deep feeling that corresponds to that judgment. If you have an awareness, it's simply a knowing. So for people that are in that place where they've becoming aware that it's them that's receiving this and it's painful for them and it's hurtful for them, I like to work with them to find out and at least get some knowing of how much of it is empathy for them and how much of them is a psychic ability. Mm -hmm. And when you see what side their sensitivities are weighing more heavily on at that time that you're working with them, because that can vary, then you can choose the tools to, to teach them to go forward. So in groups, I make the assumption that most empaths are empaths and the psychic awareness is not their primary focus. It's not always accurate, but in most cases, that gives me a basis to start with and I can teach them processes that work with the empath. Now, Columns, go ahead. I was gonna say, I'm curious as to uh, maybe just a couple of things Mm -hmm. um, you could share that help that maybe a, a person could use to identify whether or not they are more of like a, 
psychic awareness type empath. Like, I'm new mm-hmm. to this terminology or like a body empath. Right. What, what and, and as you a- answer that one, I'm going to bring up Sue's question because it's kind of related to that. We have two other okay. questions that people commented as well. Uh, but she says, when well, a young per- new person shows up and claims to be an empath, seems like he's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. They leave the older, wiser ones. Don't believe them. Is it just for attention or real? How can you tell? Which kind of goes along with, you know, how do you tell the difference between gifts if it's a um, psychic awareness or an empathic awareness? Well, first I would ask, why do you need to determine whether they're right and they're wrong based on your opinion? They're saying they are. Let them be what they believe they be. Over time, as you work with them, if they aren't, they're going to have a greater understanding of what it means to be empath than they may on their own come to the conclusion of, oh, that's not it. It's something else. And if they are, your belief or disbelief based on their descriptions of it is your judgment of them. If they are, give them the training, give them the time and the attention they require, or they wouldn't be asking for it. So when people come to me, I try not to judge how empathic they are, whether or not they are. And if they just want the attention, well, then I need to choose, do I wish to give it to them or do I wish not? And I don't need to justify my decision based on their rightness or wrongness, in my opinion, because I am not feeling what they're feeling. This is the problem that we run into as empaths and expecting absolute truths, because emotion is incredibly subjective. And what one person experiences as pleasure, another will experience as pain. (laughs) And the variation between those opposites is infinite. And some people experience things I think of as painful as incredibly pleasurable. I think you're kind of touching on this other question, actually. Why are empaths so susceptible to narcissists? It's like Sprang or something. He's like answering the question before we put it up. (laughs) (laughs) And where to feel uh, and be aware that they're deceiving us. Yeah. And well, and, and that's a whole different thing. If you want to tell the difference, first off, if you are, psychic or you are empathic or if you want to help another person come to this there's actually a very clean way to start that differentiation and there's always variations in between and honestly most of us are both but the extent to which we are both can change so you can weigh heavily one way or another everything that you feel as an empath you feel you have to name it everything you receive as a psychic you get the thoughts of others. So if you are sensing someone in pain, what an empath gets is a feeling of pain. And that pain is based on the empath's judgment of the energy they're receiving. So sometimes when we feel that someone is in great pain, the truth of it is the energy that they're experiencing that we're feeling we're judging through our experience. Their experience of it could be very different because it's our body receiving it. Our brain, which is part of our body and part of our being, it's the one thing that bridges energy and physical in us. It interprets everything we're feeling based on our beliefs about it. So what we think of as excruciating pain, another person, when you ask them like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Leave me alone. I'm good because the energy to them doesn't doesn't create an experience of pain. So we have to ask the person, are you feeling it and naming it? 
or are you receiving the thoughts of that person going, oh my God, this hurts, and you get the knowing as if they're speaking and you're receiving it. That's psychic. Psychic picks up the energy of thought, belief, choice. The body picks up the energy of experience. So the empath is experiencing what the other is experiencing, but we interpret it through our own experience because for most of us, let's face it, we don't know we're experiencing other people's stuff. Until you start to do what I did all those years ago and start just asking strangers about what they're feeling in their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> very few of us are that bold to do that because we don't want to be weird. <laughs> we're punished in my case. Uh, I embraced um, weirdness so, since I was a kid, so that wasn't... But uh, no, I and, and, but, see, uh, <laughs> and I embraced compliance and being in control, so I went the other way. <laughs> But um, yeah, um, no, it was, but I remember, um, you know, I was, it was funny. I was kind of similar. Um, well, not similar. I was raised very much uh, like the um, strict uh, Catholic Christian, very conservative kind of, you know, um, uh, that kind of mindset. And then through high school, uh, like when I was going through puberty and all that, rejected everything, became one of these like hardcore um, atheists. And if you know, same thing, if, you, if it wasn't quantifiable, you couldn't measure it with instruments and it wasn't traditional science, then you were an idiot. And I was going to prove why you were wrong with science. We would have um, been great friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, right? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but then, yeah, no, spirit had other plans for me and just, um, yeah, I had was basically just like thrown into the realms of spirit and had to crawl my way back to being a human. Um, but uh, uh, I remember it was one of the things I started to do was I learned about like the concepts of like what an empath is. Was um, I just said, you know, why not? You know, let's start asking people. So I go to him, hey, um, do you have a pain in your shoulder? Like uh, right here, it's like kind of like a really sharp throbbing pain. Uh, how do you know that? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> But I just ran with that. And then so uh, over the years, of it, that really helped me, though, to start to identify, OK, you know, I, and you even get a sense doing that enough and asking enough people. You get a sense that when you feel something, it's like, oh, that's not the type of thing that's like usually native to my body. And you can pretty easily start to identify like that's coming from somewhere else. As long as you have a problem, go ahead. Oh, no, I was saying as long as you're, you had the awareness that there was something going on, a lot of people never right that awareness until something happens where they start to really question it and then hopefully they find someone like ryan uh but my favorite mm -hmm. to ryan's comment that uh, it makes so much sense having the difference of an experience and after you share um susan was just also we already talked about empath and psychics throwing what would be the difference in, for that and mediumship and then we'll get to uh, mr goldman's question next or miss goldman's okay the the biggest problem i find the biggest sticking point I find with almost across the board, the people that I'm working with, either at some point in their past or when they come to me, is that most empaths have no reference that what they're experiencing isn't theirs. Most empaths that I get to work with have no clue or very small ability to tell the difference between what they're actually feeling or that something they're feeling is someone else's. This has been their experience their whole life. And their whole life, most people have been told this stuff isn't real. Or if it is, it's bad and you should ignore it. Mm -hmm. So they have this reference point that everything that's occurring is occurring to them. So we have this energy, this intense experience of energy that we learn to describe from the people who aren't having it. 
So our assumption is this is how everybody feels. And, and this is how it is. And this is normal. And it's all me. And my God, am I messed up. <laughs> you know, because how often do you have the experience as an empath of like going to a mall? This is why it's so intense and painful. And you're experiencing excitement and arousal and disgust and illness and pain all at once. <laughs> because what you're experiencing is all these energies these individuals are experiencing in their lives, in that moment, in their perceptions. And we're receiving it all without the knowledge that it's not ours. So a lot of the processes that I do right from the empathic empowerment training one class is to teach people how to eliminate any energy in their body that's not theirs from their body. And that's sometimes the first time people have ever felt who they truly be. Separate. For anybody watching from everything uh, YouTube or any of the other groups, Ryan does live streams every single day around nine o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. All tools for empaths. So since you're mentioning your class and things, just wanted to throw that out that if you, um, if what Ryan is saying is resonating with you, search that on Facebook, join the group. You can go back through the archive of all the videos. There's um, since quarantine, it's been at least one a day, I believe. So yeah. Oh yeah. A ton of great resources. Every day is a, a little different topic and does a deep dive into different concepts and everything. Uh, but what would you say with the difference empath, psychic, mediumship, it, that the mediumship is more like you're talking to another actual consciousness, another stream of consciousness versus an awareness. Yeah. And, and the terms psychic and empath, we can take as simple categorizations of the different ways to receive energy because we're both a body empath and an infinite being psychic. The infinite being is energy. The body is energy also, but at a very low level so that it's experienced as physicality. I, just for people, would you say low level? I think maybe a better way to put that would be like a, a slower vibration. I think low level kind of puts a... Yeah, people think that means bad. Right. But from the technical brain, it just means a lower frequency. Right. Um, as a measurement, but not low as in bad. In right. fact, we chose to come here. We didn't choose to all come to bad. There's right. a whole lot here to experience that's amazing. <laughs> but the media, to me, is just a further characterization of psychic. Most mediums that I've ever known, and I might know one or two, <laughs> when they talk about being a medium, it's a direct communication, like Hank said, with another consciousness, either currently here, not currently here. And usually, in most people's minds, mediums speak to things that are dead. From a physical standpoint, not from an energetic standpoint, obviously. So mediums speak to spirits, entities, beings. Psychic can be a broader term that includes a medium. So when people call themselves a psychic medium, I usually chuckle because, my, how redundant is that? <laughs> but it may also be them communicating, I speak with spirits and I have all these other awarenesses. Um, just so they can differentiate. I know Casey so basically, does spirit guide readings, and he's always real careful when people are saying, are you a medium? He's like, well, that's kind of what I'm doing, but I have kind of this focus that I'm only talking to the one type of thing here. Yeah, well, yeah, people, so people, I think when people, the average person is asking if I'm a medium, they want to know, like, can you talk to my dead grandma? And in that case, I'm like, I, I can, but that's not who I choose to work with. The beings that I choose to communicate with are... Um, you know, like animal guides and angels and star beings and uh, beings of what I consider to be, you know, like you said, the slower vibration is the physical. These are um, even higher than like loved ones who have passed on and they're here to help us to grow and heal. And um, so, yeah, so I, so I definitely think um, 
there's a lot of different definitions in other people's minds as to what medium psychic empath means. So um, yeah, it can definitely be helpful to kind of, as we've been doing, clarify what we're, what, what experiences we're pointing towards when you see these. And in the empowerment classes, reframing is what happens in the classes, usually for the first hour because I want people to, to come to a new understanding or to allow themselves to see who they truly be different than the limitations and the descriptions we've been given up till now. Because those limitations and those descriptions are what we have been taught to believe is true. And based on our belief of what is true, the experience of the empath is what we're being, what we're having. Hmm. And if what you want to do is get out of that, to be more than your definition, and what you believe to be true needs to change because what you believe is what you experience, period. And your experience reinforces your belief. In fact, there's a little circle I use of experience or belief, perception, and experience in the classes to teach how that circle of perception works. And we change, we reframe much of what people think about their being an empath by clarifying definitions of the words we use. That also helps eliminate any misunderstandings in the class. It doesn't eliminate them, it helps to eliminate them. <laughs> um, we do quite a bit of active participation in the classes, they're not lectures. Yeah. And just one quick comment on the classes, even my wife who is from Germany and has a very um, specific a way that she works with her point of view, took Ryan's class and loved it. <laughs> so if my wife takes a class and loves it, speaks volumes. And I did put up the website where if you're interested, I think the next one's on Sunday. You do it once a month, I believe. Is the next one Sunday? Yes, it's this Sunday. Cool. And Sorry, then, I was reading comments. I got distracted. Yeah. And, and then also because of the whole uh, stay at home thing, uh, for the first time, the last two months, he's been offering virtually. So no matter where you are in the world, if you're watching this, um, if what's being said to you resonates. Uh, he has a class coming up that will be taught virtually. And um, so we'll get to your question in a moment because this one came through a while ago. Someone was asking, why are we able to jump up a level after experiencing significant life changes? Ah, that's always a fun one. Well, okay, it's always an intense one. It's not always a fun one. <laughs> um, when we, just by the, the, the definition of that question, after we experience significant life changes, so something in the pattern of your normal life has changed so radically, you can no longer look at life the same way. So a significant life experience that changes you has created significant change in your perceptions and what you believe to be true. The death of a family member, the loss of a job, falling and hitting our heads and waking up a different person. Um, all of these things cause significant shifts in our perception. And that immediate shift in our perception is almost always followed by a period of cognitive dissonance, the resistance we have to what's changed, and the difference between what we now sense in our world as true and what we want to believe about it based on our past. So these significant life changes alter our perceptions. And when your perceptions alter significantly, your experience of things alter because your perceptions have changed. Your perceptions create your experiences. And when your experiences change significantly, you're faced with the choice to either deny what your senses are telling you, cognitive dissonance occurs, and reject what you've always believed was true and what may have been a foundation in your life, 
cognitive dissonance occurs. So there's tremendous intensity. You either then accept that what you're perceiving is true and allow your experience to change. And that change in your experience changes your belief. It changes the energy of belief because the evidence coming in is now different than the belief and you've chosen to believe the evidence. So your belief changes. And then your awareness of the energies around you corresponds to the new belief. And if the belief, the change in your life has allowed you to break free of a foundation that used to make you think you were safe and turned out just to be a wall that kept you a prisoner, your awareness of the world expands. You're no longer bound by those old beliefs. This can be an uncomfortable time. And that's when I find most empaths searching for answers. And that's the point most people are in when I start to work with them. So easing people through that change, letting them know, no, you're, you're not crazy. And you don't have to judge yourself because you spent your whole life thinking something was true that wasn't because that's how we were trained. That's part of the first things we do when we start working with people as individuals or in groups. Let them understand that what they're experiencing is real. And the previous beliefs are what block them from being able to see it because your belief creates your perception of it. And your perception creates your experience. And your experience reinforces your belief. Or in the case of dramatic life changes, it shatters the belief. And that's when we expand. I think there's an old parable or, or saying that says the cracks are where the light leaks in. <laughs> <laughs> those those experiences crack the foundations that kept you in prison. And if you let the light leak in without judging you as broken for it, incredible, absolutely incredible changes take place. And that, that statement may be a good segue into this next question where Sue is asking, well, where does God and spirit come into play or does he or she? You know, it's a good thing these short broadcasts don't tackle any of the big questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is the true nature of life in the universe? <laughs> awesome question. And all I can tell you is what my experience has taught me is true. And yours could very well be and most likely is very different. My understanding is each one of us is an infinite being. We are one part, one perspective of being, of the universe, of infinite being. So the old expression, there's only one of us in the room, is absolutely valid. And over 7 billion of us on the planet is absolutely valid. <laughs> we are each drops of the ocean, and the entire ocean is a drop of us. So if it gives you hope or comfort, to think of a higher part of yourself as watching over you, do so. And people will call that spirit or creation or divinity or God. And that is the description of all that is. And we are infinite beings. We are part of all that is. We are never separate from it, except in our perceptions, which is how we choose to experience this world. So we are each and every one of us part of God, which makes us divine. So every single life on this planet, even amoebas, any life, has divine purpose. 
because it created this experience from a place of being one with all there is on purpose. We came here by choice. We are not less than God. We are one perspective of an infinite being enjoying and experiencing itself in an infinite variety of experiences. We're pretty cool. <laughs> I love that we have to use the language though. Uh, it's funny to me. Um, and we always have to say we are part of God or our true essence is God. We can't say we are God. You can't say yeah, that. That's, we can't, we can't say acceptable. that, but it wouldn't be socially acceptable. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can't say for everybody watching, but uh, the thought occurred to me, uh, Ryan normally only streams for like 15 minutes. Uh, our, our stream usually goes for an hour or a little bit longer. Were you okay being on longer, Ryan? I thought, um, I didn't... I've actually got to go in about 10 minutes. So I have to take my car in for an oil change. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I have a 40 mile drive to do it. Okay, so I'm going to throw out there, if you have a question, ask now, and if you if we don't get to it, then uh, we can do another stream, hopefully with Ryan, if he's agreeable to it, and we can, you know, continue on. Uh, but the next question, oh, and if you're commenting anywhere other than our YouTube channel or Ryan's Facebook group, we're not seeing it. So we're not ignoring you. Uh, we're streaming to like nine different places, and we can only monitor the comments from a few. So if you do have a question, please head over to our YouTube channel or join Ryan's Facebook group. I put the banner up a moment ago, and I'll, I'll do so after this next question. But Christina McKay asks, empaths know what that we feel other people's emotions, but why do we feel our own emotions so incredibly power, deeply or powerful like a solar, uh, solar flare? Well, in my experience, most empaths, first off, don't know that mm -hmm. they're experiencing others. But Christina and I have worked together. So she has an awareness now that has expanded and changed her reality. Um, but there are physical laws in this universe. And even though we are infinite being and we created this universe, when we're here, we are to some extent bound by those laws. I do not believe that they are the total prisons that physicists would have us believe. In fact, most physicists don't now. Engineers would have us believe. But they do hold true in this universe as long as you're having the experience of it. So understanding those physical laws and how they govern energy goes a long way to explaining Christina's question, because in our physical experience, proximity to an energy, your closeness to it, increases the intensity of that energy. And as that energy has to travel from point A to point B, it most often loses. So this huge pulse of emotion of energy, as it goes further and further out from the point of experience, becomes lower and lower and lower. So when you're experiencing tons of energy coming in, the amplitude, the strength of that energy is kind of irrelevant because it's all overwhelming you. When you get to the place that you can start to differentiate between the two, yours is going to be incredibly intense because it's happening right here. You're getting maximum intensity. And now you're able to perceive the difference between you and others. Now you may have always been that sensitive, so your opinion of the energies that you're experiencing, even though they're being experienced by others, is being interpreted by your body as if it's yours. And your belief of it creates it in your body. So every judgment you hold about an energy becomes physically held in your body. That's how the body creates the experience. So your emotions, <laughs> off the charts. And now that you have some sensitivity, you can now differentiate between yours and others. 
that does not eliminate you if you're judging it as painful or good for them, experiencing it at the same intensity as if it was actually happening to you. We're infinite beings. We don't do shit halfway. <laughs> when we create an experience, it's here. <laughs> and the more in touch you get with your ability to do that, the more you have the ability to stop judging it, to remove the significance of the experience. And when you can allow everything to become just an interesting point of view, even your experiences will tone down. You got to stop judging them as good and bad, right and wrong, light and dark, light and heavy, whatever things you want to use to judge the value of them. You're going to have the experience of it. And as a wide open empath, your experiences are intense. If you could start to channel those experiences to only the ones you choose to experience and let everything else become an interesting point of view, that intensity goes away. Awareness has no feeling. It's simply awareness. As soon as you have an opinion about what you're aware of, you have a feeling created, an emotion created. If you are feeling it, you are judging it, period. It's not a goodness or a badness or a rightness or wrongness in you. It's the way we've been taught to be in the world. We need to redefine that and unteach ourselves and learn a new way to be. It's not easy, unless it is. Some people, yeah, some people just get it and their life changes. I had one client that was so open and so sensitive. She was actually a shut-in. She did not leave her home unless she absolutely was forced to. Doctor's appointment, something. And we worked together through the EET1 class and, and a few other sessions. And she's now out in the public. She was at Hank's last expo last year as a vendor. So going from I can't leave my house without being in extreme pain and anxiety to I'm in the middle of 500 people helping people heal. Yeah, and I didn't know she was a vendor because that's even like going as a patron. Yeah. You don't have to interact, but as a vendor, you're almost forced to have multiple interactions with people. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. and, and that is the change that can take place. And every point of variation between no change and total change is okay. Everybody's going to be somewhere if we're measuring Everybody's somewhere. So where you are is relevant only to the people who are judging you. Cool. You're if welcome. If it's you or someone else. Awesome. Awesome. This I is want to thank you guys for letting me on here. This is fun. You have a whole <laughs> yeah. different format than I do. I, I, um, I hope that uh, you would like to come back on at some point because this was a blast having you. Every absolutely. Time. Yes. Thank you so much. This was. Um, <laughs> I, I'm now uh, kind of. I'll be honest, I haven't tuned in to any of your videos, but I'm going to do so today because now I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because you guys follow shamanic practices and it's a more open, casual, less intense way sometimes. Believe me, I've had shamanic experiences that are over the top in intensity. And, and I know that what I do is a little more heady and it's a different style. So we're teaching the same stuff to the same, you know, to different people yeah. mm -hmm. Just and, people and it's things, critical. Yeah. yeah. Different people receive information differently. And absolutely. And like, cause like I could talk about shamanism to my wife and she will, her eyes will glaze over, but her taking your class, golden. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. I, and thanks for all of my followers, followers, for all the people who watch my, uh, live stream that have found you 
I hope they all stick with you too, because believe me, these guys, they know what's up and they explain <laughs> things in a way that's just different than I do. And you've got to bring in as much as you can so you can choose what resonates with you and, and just take it all in. Lost a headset. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> telling me it's time to go. For everyone um, who's following us, that Brian's Facebook group is on the banner right now. You can put type that into YouTube, or not YouTube, Facebook. Join his group, go back through the archives. And if you're interested in learning from Ryan, uh, he's going to be doing his class virtually on Sunday, Empathic Empowerment Training. It's only four hours out of your day on Sunday. And it could change. $100, your- it's four hours. They can sign up right on my website, empathichealings.com, right there. Yeah. And if you're watching this on an archive, he does it every month. So you're not late. It's just going to be a different time. <laughs> so, awesome. All right. Well, thank hey. you so much, Ryan, for, uh, having, uh, for being on our show. Yes, that thank was Thank you um, for having me. I truly appreciate it. Now, I know I'll see you guys again. Yes, sounds good. That was wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.